How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, Josh Archibald, two-year contract extension. Oscar Clefbaum is a big old maybe for tomorrow against the Blue Jackets. Four-game homestand beginning at Rogers Place. 6.30 face-off show here on 6.30 Chad. They'll drop the puck at 8. Now, after the first period in Winnipeg, Jets up 3-0 on the Golden Knights. After 2, Detroit leads Chicago 2-1. And early in the third, New Jersey up 3-1 on St. Louis as uh, one of the bottom teams in the NHL goes up against one of the top. The Blues have won eight in a row, so more proof of the good old anybody can beat anybody. Flames and Coyotes start in a few minutes. Avalanche and Canucks in an hour. Same deal with the Leafs and the Ducks. Oil Kings just getting underway at Rogers Place against Swift Current. U of A Golden Bears basketball team losing their quarterfinal at Nationals. They had a first-half lead that quickly evaporated. They lose 86-72 to Western Ontario. At the Briar tonight, final round-robin draw. Now, Alberta is into the 1-2 page playoff game regardless of their result tonight. After 7, they're tied 1-1 with Team Wildcard from Manitoba. All these games are after 7. Saskatchewan and Newfoundland still tied at 3. It's now 5-5. Ontario against Northern Ontario and Team Canada leads Manitoba 5-2. Uh, Manitoba is out. Alberta and Newfoundland have clinched the other five teams still fighting for the final two playoff spots. So that's a pretty fun final draw in Kingston. Our next guest played over 800 games combined in the regular season and playoffs in the National Hockey League. Scored exactly 90 goals and he helped the Florida Panthers go all the way to the Stanley Cup final in 1995-96 where they were eventually felled by a very mighty Colorado Avalanche team. It is Bill Lindsay from NHL Network. Bill, great to have you on Inside Sports again. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing awesome. It's uh, it's always good to talk to you. You were one of the uh, uh, original Florida Panthers, and you wound, uh, you wound up settling, uh, I guess not right in Miami, but a little north of Miami. Yeah, just in uh, was in Fort Lauderdale for a while, and then ended up in uh, Boca Raton and Deerfield Beach. So it's about thirty miles north of Miami in that area. I gotta that's, tell that's you, that's where our practice. That's where our practice rink was for a long, long time. When we played at Miami Arena, our practice rink was always up towards Boca, actually. So that's where we always settled as a team. I gotta tell you, Bill, I, I've only been to that part of the world once, and it was to cover the 2015 NHL draft pretty significant because the Oilers drafted Connor McDavid. We, we stayed at Fort Lauderdale, yeah. and the hotel was right across from the ocean, so there was a road and a, and a little stretch of beach. And I remember, you're, you're going to think this is so random, but I remember two things. The street lights were not turned on at night, so it was quite dark unless a car went by Well, if you went out for a little walk or whatever. And on the beach, there were portions of the beach cordoned off because I believe there were turtle eggs buried in the sand. Like, is this a common thing in that part of the world? Yes. So what happens uh, once every year, the turtles will come up to the sand and they will lay their eggs. 
and bury them in the sand, and then once they're born, they'll return to the sea. But if the lights are on, the turtles lose their direction, and uh, they prefer to be in dark. So the, the lights are dim to protect the turtles so they know where they're going, and they can get back into the sea. And that's all a protection to, uh, to save these turtles that are actually in danger to some degree down here. So there's a conservation effort to try them to grow their population back. And so they come back onto the beaches, many beaches. It's not only Fort Lauderdale, but it's all the way up uh, down Miami Boca. They will do this. And uh, it's not all the time that they have the street lights off, but it is during turtle season when they come up and lay their eggs that they will turn the street lights off and protect the turtles so the baby turtles can find their way back into the ocean. Well, that's amazing. And obviously you've, you've learned a lot about uh, turtles from living in that part of the world. You know what's funny, Bill? <laughs> Not the first time this year turtles have been discussed on Inside Sports because, as you know from covering games on the NHL Network, the Battle of Alberta heated up. Matthew Kachuk has been labeled a turtle by Oilers fans. Uh, Cassidy <laughs> got suspended. It led. They, they eventually fought. Then there was a goalie fight just over a month ago. Uh, you know, just just your view of seeing what's what's happened in Alberta this season, first goalie fight in, in the league in, in, in seven or eight years. Uh, what's been your view of how all this has played out? I mean, here at Edmonton, we think the Oilers are the heroes and the Flames are the villains. It's the other way a couple hours to the south. It's been pretty fun. That's what hockey's about. That's what draws people, people to the sport. And to get that rivalry back and engaged and have a couple of teams embroiled in a playoff race in the same division, I, I had a chance to play to Calgary for a while. I know what that, that means to that province. And not separated by very many miles as far as it goes, but uh, as far as as far as far the fan base, they are separated by a large margin. And there is a dislike on each side. So you, when you see that kind of competitiveness come up and you start to see that anger and venom on both sides and that dislike for each other, kind of reminds you of the old days, and that's what it's all about. Were you ever in a game where goalies fought, Bill? Junior hockey one time with Olaf Kozik, but other than that, uh, not at, not in the NHL. It was kind of getting tamed down. But, <laughs> so I'd, I never, I was never on the ice with the actual goaltenders other than junior hockey one time that we had a big line brawl, but not, not in the NHL. Yeah, well, it doesn't happen. Well, I mean, there's there's way less fighting over, overall than uh, than there used to be, and especially with the goaltenders going at it. Bill Lindsay joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Curious on, on your take on the Oilers. I, I mean, uh, you know, I'm covering the team every day, and around a lot of other people who are covering the team every day, your your view is a little more from afar and, and watching all the other teams in the league as well. The Oilers uh, were outplayed against Winnipeg. Smith held them in that one. They... They pounded Nashville. I mean, I know most of the goals came in the third, but I thought they were pretty decisively the better team in that game. Uh, Koskinen stole one in Dallas, and a pretty uh, lackluster first two periods cost them last night in Chicago. I'm just wondering how you look at this recent stretch of games. You have to have your goaltender you're stealing games. Having said that, you don't want to be badly outshot too often. You know, wh- where do you think the Oilers are at here with the playoffs are approaching? They're in a much better place. He talked about Clefbaum. I heard Clefbaum might be available tomorrow for Columbus. That would be a big addition. But you all of a sudden you got James Neal back in the the lineup. You got Athanasiu. You got Ennis at the trade deadline. Cassian's over all his suspensions. Kaylor Yamamoto comes up and makes a ginormous difference in that lineup. Has really been a driving factor with that line with Drysaitel 
and Nugent Hopkins. And with that, you've been able to balance out your lines with the trade deadline, which to me, I, I was really worried about your depth early in the season. I didn't know how it would play out. Now it looks like Archibald's starting to score some goals. And you got Athanasio, I believe, is on the fourth line at this moment. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, I, I think him and James Neal are kind of rotating, but James Neal on that top line. So you get a chance to split up the two superstars. That becomes a real tough matchup for the opponents. When they played the Panthers down here and got the victory, Cassian was out, McDavid was out, Clefbaum was out. It was just a totally different-looking hockey team. And Dreisaitl could carry the team by himself. That's how good he is. So those two superstars in the lineup can really take it a long ways. Your power play and special teams, penalty kill, but one and two last time I checked in the NHL. So when you have the top power play, top penalty kill, there's always that chance. The only concern I would have going into the playoffs is maybe built a little bit like Tampa Bay last year with the incredible special teams. Can you do it five-on-five consistently when it matters most? Uh, That's the big thing. Uh, Can you, when the, the refs start to let it go a little bit in the second and third period, then you can you play these four lines and can you get it done in the playoffs when you have to play five-on-five hockey for a long stretches of time. But other than that, uh, I like the additions at the trade deadline, and if the goaltending can hold up, that the, the West is wide open. Anyone has a chance. You know, Bill, I love how you describe that with the five and five, and I work with uh, Rob Brown. He's our analyst on our Oilers game day shows, and he said the more penalties that are called in a game, the better off it is for the Oilers, even if some of those penalties are against the Oilers because their their PK is is so good. And, and I, I think you know, for me, um, b- people ask, well, what what's Holland's next move? I say, well, he probably still would like to beef up the team five on five. I just don't know now if he can do that to the summer. Though though Ennis to me is interesting. He's not a big guy, but he plays with he plays with more tenacity than I thought he did, and he has shown in spurts that he can think the game very well. And, Bill, you know, you played with and against a lot of superstars in, in your time in the NHL, too. Ennis does not re- f- defer to McDavid. He makes the p- best play available. And, and we have seen players come here, play with McDavid, and think, oh, my God, I'm on the ice with Connor. I better just get him the puck all the time. Ennis doesn't fall into that trap. He's a guy that's been around. He's a veteran player. So when you got a guy that knows his way around the league and is going to do his own stuff and can give Connor the McDavid the puck when it's right and take it upon himself to to go to the nets and when he has that puck on the stick to do the things that are needed. I I really like what you did at the trade deadline. You really added depth to, to the team and gave your team a possibility. And that, to me, was your... You talked about the special teams. Well, you can run those stars out there on the special teams and your bottom guys that kill penalties, but when it was five on five, there didn't seem to be that depth factor there. Now there's depth. You look at the lineup with Athanasiu, and, and you take a look at Ennis and Archibald and Shan and all these type of players. Now you can roll four lines. You don't have to play your top guys 24 minutes. So we'll see how it plays out, uh, how these new guys transition in, but you're right. Ennis is fast. He's quick. He knows how to play with top players. So at the tra- at you're one of the teams that came out the the furthest advanced past the trade deadline than almost anybody else, in my opinion. All right, Bill, I'm going to throw one more at you. Um, okay. Who's who's the best team in the league right now? I'm not asking you who's going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not asking you who's going to 
be the best team in a month. Who's the best team in the league right now? Who's the best team in the league at this very moment? <laughs> Philadelphia gives you some pause for spot. There you go. <laughs> but uh, that's, I mean, what they've been able to do. And, and what and the team is so, it's, it's a, you, you get in this year with the 16 teams, it's so tough to pick with what's going on. I'll go out west. I'll go out west. I'll give you the Colorado Avalanche. That's, I, I believe that they have, when, if they get their guys, if they get Kadri and Burkowski and that lineup healthy, and McCarr, I, I think the Colorado Avalanche quite possibly have the best team. We played Boston last night. Their top line's good, but their underneath players, Krejci, DeBrusque, and those type of players are starting to struggle some. Their goaltending's amazing. But I believe the Colorado Avalanche, top to bottom, with their additions, their defensemen, uh, the goaltending, the, with Francois emerging, I'll go Colorado. I'll, I'll, I'll say Colorado's the team to beat this year. Yeah, very good team. And Kale McCarr, who played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, he's an incredible story. Bill, it's always fun. It's it's always fun catching up with you. Thanks for coming on here on Inside Sports tonight. Going to be a fun weekend following all the games around the league as well. We'll have to do this again soon, man. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. It must be fun following that team. I tell you to watch those two guys every night. It must be a pleasure. So I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, Bill. It's fun that every day I, I go to the website and look at sportsclubstats.com that calculates the odds of, of the teams making the playoffs, and I have not yeah. done anything about draft lottery odds. So that's that's a nice yeah. change. <laughs> it's a very improved. It, it happened quickly, and I uh, wish you the best of luck because those two superstars deserve to be showcased on the biggest stage. I, I firmly believe that just like back in the old days. But Joyce Heidel and McDavid need to be on the big stage when it matters most, and it will happen this year. Right on. See you, Bill. All right, thank you. There's Bill Lindsay checking in from the uh, NHL Network. Now, he played on that Florida team, Kellen. You remember the Rats? Yep. The Rats thrown on the ice when they scored their first goal of the game in the 96 The playoffs. goalies. That was pretty memorable. Hiding under in, in yeah, the it wasn't net. Patrick Raw just went and dodging all the rats. Hit, hit right in the net. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was interesting for start from Bill Lindsay. He likes the Oilers uh, additions, likes Tyler Ennis a lot. I think Athanasiu, like I said earlier, the Oilers will keep working with him. 30-goal scorer last year, so he does have talent. Rick has called in. Rick, I will get to your call. i got to call a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Seven minutes old. It's already 2-1. Flames leading the Coyotes. 780-496-0063 is the open line number. Rick has decided to dial that number. How come, Rick? Hey, Reed. Um, I phoned in. I've been phoning into your show. you got a great show. Um, I just want to start off by saying rest in peace to Henri Richard. I mean, 11 Stanley Cups, and he played with all the greats that some of us remember. I mean, I remember watching the some of the old you know, Jean Beliveau and, and all those guys, I'll tell you what, uh, Henri was a uh, pleasure to watch because he was a clean hockey player. And Anyway, uh, back to the Oilers, Ken Holland and Tippett, you know, and they, listen, uh, from a fan perspective, but also for sure from Daryl Cates' perspective, you know, it's been a frustrating long haul. But i got to give it to Ken Holland and Tippett. You know, and Tippett's got experience with Mike Smith. And, you know, what do you need? 
to make a great hockey team is you need goaltending, you need a power forward, and you need a solid defenseman. And if you can land those three, you've got a great hockey club. And, you know, we don't quite have that pivot on the, on the D-man, but green might be it. And that um, uh, dry sidle, I mean, that guy uh, splitting him with, uh, with, uh, from McDavid has made that hockey club. You've got Archibald and Yamamoto. Listen, you got a you got a real hockey team there. You got a real hockey team there. Rick, I appreciate that. Yeah, so far so good for the Oilers. Hopefully, they can nail down a spot in the next two or three weeks. Henri Richard, we're going to have Dave Stubbs from NHL.com on between 7.30 and 8. Rick, he's a historian. He, uh, he, he interviewed Henri Richard plenty of times over the years, so he's going to have his perspective between 7.30 and 8, so I hope you can stick around for that. I'm going to stick around for that, yeah. Right on. Thanks, Rick. Yeah. That is Rick checking into 780-496-0063. You mentioned Josh Archibald. Two-year extension for him. Had to fight through some early season injury. Yeah, I think that the the start was a little tough, you know, breaking the foot. You know, I was sick early on too, and you know, just finding time to you know get comfortable. It was it was tougher when you're injured. You know, you're you're at home when guys are on the road, so uh, you know that was a tough part. But you know, being able to finally settle in, get that first goal, get some confidence. You know, the team started playing really well. You know, I think that that helped out a lot too. And then you know, just creating chemistry with some guys. You know, I've been playing with She for the majority of the year, and you know, whoever our left winger was, you know, the short time that they've been there we've been you know having chemistry with them too so it's just been a good stretch for us a little bit there from josh archibald more on 630ched.com oscar clefbaum simply says he's a maybe for tomorrow's game against the columbus blue jackets back after the news with more hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. On Rouchard. after the first period of Rogers place in the NHL. Seven minutes left in the first. Calgary up 2-1 on Arizona. In the second period, the Jets lead Vegas 3-zip. Third period, Detroit up 2-1 on Chicago. Devils up 3-2 on the Blues. Still to come, Avalanche and Canucks, Maple Leafs and Ducks. Oilers, Blue Jackets tomorrow on 6.30, Chad. Our face-off show starts at 6.30. The game is at 8. Defenseman Oscar Clefbaum says he's a maybe, but he's eager to get back in the lineup. If you ask me, I, I want to play on the trip. Uh, but you've got to be smart. Obviously, uh, uh, we still have some some important games, and I want to be 100% to go. So, uh, um, but once again, we're going to see how it is tomorrow, and, and maybe I'll play, maybe maybe not. We're just going to take this day by day. 
Josh Archibald signs a two-year contract extension worth $3 million, so one and a half per season. More on that on 630Ched.com. Final round-robin draw at the Briar. Alberta already in the 1-2 page playoff game for sure. They have the hammer in the 10th, trailing team wildcard 2-1. Canada has beaten Manitoba 7-3, so Team Canada, Kevin Cooey finishes... Seven and four, Man- Manitoba drops to five and six. They were already out of it. Newfoundland leading Saskatchewan, five four. Newfoundland already has clinched a spot in the playoffs. Saskatchewan does have the hammer in the tenth and still in the ninth. Ontario up seven five on Northern Ontario. Could see some tiebreaker games. Well, at least one before the formal playoffs start. It's been fun to follow the Briar this week. Brendan Botcher from Edmonton, Team Alberta, doing awesome. Well, sad news from the hockey world. Henri Richard, Montreal Canadiens legend, passing away at the age of 84. For more on the Pocket Rocket, please welcome from NHL.com, Dave Stubbs. Dave, how are you doing? Read everything as well. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time to join us tonight. Obviously, Henri Richard passing away today, a Montreal Canadiens legend, a legend in the National Hockey League. 11 Stanley Cups. Uh, I mean, it's, it's almost hard to know where to begin when you talk about his life and, uh, and his career. But let's start with, with the hockey side of things. For, for those of us who never really saw him play or have only seen a few highlights, what, what would have been the scouting report on Henri Richard? Well, the first thing that probably would have been said, and it was said actually, Henri Richard, when he was playing juniors with the Montreal Canadian, Montreal Junior Canadiens, his coach was Elmer Locke, who was the centerman on the punchline between Rocket Richard and Toe Blake. And Elmer famously told Henri, you're too small, you're never going to make it to the NHL. Well, 1,259 games, uh, 180 playoff games, 11 Stanley Cup championships in the 1973-74 Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy later. Uh, Ari came back to Elmer and said, I think I may have a shot in this league. So, yeah, look, a 5-7 advertised at 160. So it was a very different game, obviously. But, um, you know, a, a guy like that, that size, I mean, you figure he's going to be pounded into, into dust, right? He's going to be vaporized in today's NHL. But the fact is that Ari never played to his height. He never played to his weight. He was, uh, he was a keg of dynamite. Uh, he went to the net. He played in the dirty ice. He was never afraid to drop his mitts with anybody, no matter how big how strong, how powerful the guy was. Um, Ari was uh, bullied as a kid in school, uh, took on the toughest kid in the school who had everyone terrorized, went home with a bloody nose and said, I wasn't going to back down. Well, that in, um, in, in a way was what Ari Richard's NHL career was. He, um, he was a very, very powerful, rugged guy who was uh, a tremendous talent, um, great playmaker. Took, he, he took as much pride, more pride probably, in the fact that he had 688 assists in the NHL compared to his 358 goals. So he just was uh, he was larger than life in a lot of ways on the teams that he played for. In the first five years that he played the National Hockey League, he won the Stanley Cup. His uh, famous brother, uh, Maurice, retired, and then Nari won another six before he had retired. So... Uh, Tremendous, tremendous talent, a great member of the pantheon of stars of the Montreal Canadiens and the NHL, the Hockey Hall of Fame and beyond. Uh, and uh, we will be talking uh, at length over the days and weeks to come about Henri Richard and what he meant to the Canadiens and to the league as, uh, as a whole. Well, I'm glad you, you brought up Maurice Richard, who uh, obviously Henri's brother. And in, in your piece today, I'll kind of paraphrase here uh, and, and let you tell the bulk of the story, but 
I think Henri said even as an adult, people would say, oh, there's the Rockets' little brother. Uh, I mean, I guess he just kind of had to had to live with that, even though he crafted out a, an excellent career of his own. Well, he did, Reed. The thing of it is, too, is that Henri never ran from the name. I mean, you try to imagine coming into the Montreal Canadiens as a teenager and your brother is uh, the Rocket. I mean, so you're, you're coming in with the name Richard and your brother is an icon. He's, he's a legend. He's an incandescent star who is, you know, not just a hockey star, but, I mean, he was, he was the lightning rod for a political revolution in the province of Quebec. So, I mean, Rocket always said, I just want to be a hockey player, but the politics of the day and the French-Canadian population and just the game as a whole would never let him just be a hockey player. So Henri comes in uh, and, you know, he Maurice cracked the door open. He brought him in, sat him down with general manager Frank Selke in 1955 and said, this is my little brother. I'd like you to give him a tryout. And then he walked out. And, uh, I mean, Henri barely spoke a word of English. Uh, some people said you never even heard him speak French. He was so quiet. But uh, he signed on the dotted line. I think he, he signed for $6,000 or six and $7,000 for two years, signed on, uh, on a daytimer pad on Frank Selke's uh, desk, uh, and went away and uh, carved out a tremendous name for himself. So you have to understand these guys are 15 years apart, Henri and Maurice. Uh, Maurice was uh, already playing with the Montreal Canadiens, making a, a great name for himself when uh, Henri was only seven years of age living at home with his parents. So, you know, he, he's a little kid. He's a grade schooler, uh, elementary schooler uh, student, really, and, and his brother is a superstar with the Montreal Canadiens. So they, there was a brotherly bond. Uh, they, they got along very, very well as brothers. But quite honestly, you put yourself in, in their shoes when you're 15 years removed. I mean, you're almost a full generation, right? I mean, Maurice is a legal drinking age in Quebec when, you know, Henri's a 10-year-old. So, you know, it, it just doesn't happen, right? I mean, it's, it's, it was one of those things that the Canadians uh, understood that they had somebody great in Henri. I don't think they necessarily figured they were going to get what they got from him. But uh, Henri came in, won the Cup five years in a row. His brother retired, and then Henri set off and forged a career of his own. Uh, succeeded Jean Beliveau as captain of the Montreal Canadiens, and um, the rest, as they say, is history. I mean, a tremendous, tremendous talent, uh, larger than life, and his number 16 is retired hanging from the rafters of the Bell Centre because it absolutely deserves to be there on its own merit, not because of his last name. Dave Stubbs joining us on Inside Sports from NHL.com. Excellent column today, remembering Henri Richard, who we're discussing right now, Henri passing away at the age of 84. It, you know, you get to know players, uh, certainly as, as players, and, and you talked about his abilities and his drive and all those kind of things. When you interview somebody and he remains a, a statesman of the franchise, as he did with the Montreal Canadiens, you also get to know him as a, a, as a person a little bit. What was he like sort of just to, to interview or if you ever got to sit down and, uh, and and talk to him? Did he ever, you know, give you a glance into his personality or say anything interesting about the NHL as it has progressed over the years? Like a lot of players of his generation, uh, we, there was never, Ari never sort of put himself over. He never tried to make himself bigger than the game. He never tried to say my, my generation was better than what's out there today. He would sort of scratch his head a little bit at, uh, you know, the way some things were done in today's NHL and in the modern game. But, you know, these guys were all the same. I mean, they played uh, for themselves and their teams and their fans uh, in their own time. Uh, he enjoyed the game. He wasn't one of these guys who was a student who could tell you uh, what so-and-so's, um, you know, what, what his shooting percentage was, or he wasn't a, a real keen student of all the stats. But, I mean, Ari was never a keen student of his own stats. I mean, he didn't pay attention to the number of goals he scored or the number of assists. 
Uh, there was no such thing as charting ice time during his day. Uh, Ivan Cornway told me today there were many times that Toe Blake would be screaming at him to get off the ice because Henri just he'd stay out there for two, two and a half, three minute shifts. I mean, you know, it's a modern shift today. And the NHL is what, 35, 40 seconds, um, if that. So, you know, a different time, but um, Henri had a really good sense of who he was and uh, and what he meant to the team, but more to his family. He was very, very modest, a very humble guy. He never spent any time, you know, putting himself over. As I say, never, never trying to tell people how good he was. If people wanted to talk to him about how good a player he was, he would let them make up their own minds. And if they thought the world of him, great. If they thought that he was overrated, great. He didn't care. He knew in his own mind, in his own heart, in his own soul, what he meant to hockey and what hockey meant to him. And his only goal growing up was to play with the Montreal Canadiens to make it to the NHL. And not only did he do that, but he played 20 full seasons in Montreal and was one of the greatest champions of all time. And his record of 11 Stanley Cups, I argue, will never be bro- will never be broken. That's out there. Uh, that's with, uh, hey, if you want to talk about uh, Edmonton and out that way, you talk about Glenn Hall's 502 consecutive games played without a mask. Uh, without uh, taking a minute off. I mean, that's another one that's untouchable. Well, Henri's 11 cups will never be touched. Yeah, well said. Dave, thank you so much for coming on Inside Sports tonight. That That is just such incredible perspective. And, uh, and I think for obviously, you know, younger generations of fans that have only read about Henri Richard or or maybe know the name in passing, you've give, painted a, a great picture of the man and of the player. Thank you so much. Reed, thank you. And you know what? The beauty about the, the internet age is that YouTube exists, and there's lots of stuff on Ari Richard out there. NHL.com has got a mountain of video of Ari, and if fans today want to take some time and, and just have a look back at what this guy was, what he meant to the game of hockey and to the Canadians, and just try to see how a guy that size could excel the way he did, I think a lot of eyes will be opened. Uh, a lot of uh, today's fans will really enjoy looking at uh, what a great champion he was. Thank you very much, Dave. That is Dave Stubbs, columnist and historian from NHL.com. He wrote an excellent piece today about Henri Richard, who has passed away at the age of 84, 11-time Stanley Cup champion. I recommend uh, checking out what Dave uh, Dave wrote, and it was awesome to have him on the show with some of his uh, memories and uh, and a look back on a... On a- yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Yeah. Great life and a great hockey career. It is quarter to eight. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, back after the break. D'Angelo for Panarin. Left circle shot. Score! Zabanajad in front may have gotten a piece of it. It's a power play goal. We are tied at one. Fox with the puck for the Rangers along the blue line to the far circle. Shot. Score! Zabanajad again. His second of the game, 35th of the season, fifth goal in the last three games. Third period is underway. Samsonov to our left. Butsnevich out in front. Score! Patrick Zabanajad. 12 seconds into the Down the left wing. Big drive. Stop. 
and up the middle, Zibanejad. Here he comes, moving in. He digs. He scores. His fifth of the game, tying a Ranger record. Rangers win six to five. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, what a game last night for Mika Zibanejad of the New York Rangers. Five goals as they're trying to stay afloat in the playoff race in the Eastern Conference. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. 780-496-0063, the number to call or text. Ben writing in, he says, uh, hey, Reed, love the Archibald contract extension. Think he can be a depth player for the two years he has signed and maybe beyond. Still a little bit concerned about how the Oilers, though, are going to round out their top six. That is Ben writing in to 780-496-0063. The Oilers, uh, and I think those are uh, are fair comments. Uh, I mean, Bill Lindsay was very complimentary of the Oilers from NHL Network. We had him on between seven and seven thirty tonight. He did say, and and look, it's a it's a fair concern that if there are fewer penalty calls in the postseason, how are the Oilers going to do five on five against the same opponent every second night for two weeks? Certainly a fair concern, but uh, the Oilers are on track to get into the playoffs for uh, well, what would it be the second time in the last. 14 years, is that where we're at? It'd be two of the last four, but they obviously missed for uh, for 10 straight. Not sure who the goalie's going to be tomorrow. Really not sure what the lineup's going to be. Uh, just a very optional skate for Edmonton today. Not a lot of players on the ice. Jim Playfair, associate coach, handled the media today, and he was asked about Andreas Athanasiu. You know, he's an interesting player. We watched a lot of him on videotape, and, and I thought last night was probably the first game you've seen that explosive skill, that quickness, that tenacity on the puck when he was on the forecheck. And, and uh, you know, you leave a situation he was in for a long time, and coming to, to what we're trying to get accomplished, uh, I think there's probably an adjustment period for him to figure out where does he fit in uh, with Connor's line, somewhere else a little bit below that. Um, and so the whole figuring out the line combinations has been something that, that everyone's been kind of a little bit maybe hesitant on a little bit, but I think that uh, last night I personally thought he had um, some good pace and quickness to his game. All right, a little bit there on the man we're calling Double A, AA, Andreas Athanasiu. I think we're going to go with AA. I, I've done pretty good with that name, Kellen. I messed it up quite badly on the face-off show last night. Yeah. I've done okay. It happens. I'll get myself a mildly passing grade. Don't worry about Kinda it. I like everything I do, except golf. Golf I'm just terrible at. Playfair also asked about the team's final 14 games. I think the way we're looking at it now is we're looking to prepare ourselves every day to, 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 to be prepared to play the game that night. And I think the big picture is going through enough uh, options and scenarios and cases now where we build ourselves into the last you know, 15 games of the season where... Uh, we're in playoff mode. We're going to go through situations where it's going to be a one nothing game like it was in Dallas. We have to find a way through. We're going to be down like we were in games last night in Chicago and make a push to come back. And we did that. We're going to play um, shorthanded. We've done that. We're going to play with both goaltenders. We've done that. So everything that's been structured up till today is getting us prepared to be uh, for the playoffs, for the, for the push of the playoffs and the hunt that goes into the playoffs. So we're looking at these situations now 
you know, from the outside, maybe they look like we failed in a, in a particular part of our game or individuals so failed. But that's the adversity it's going to take for us to manage now to be a really good playoff team. So that's kind of how we look at each situation. It's really interesting to me how coaching staffs and how just the approach of having a good team changes the the whole outlook than what we've seen the Oilers go through so many times at this time of year where you're wondering what players are going to be back. Will the coach be back? Will the GM be back? Who are they going to draft? When are they going to finally be any good? And I, I remember last year the Oilers had some late games, uh, late season games. They got bombed in... We, they got bombed in Vegas. They got blown out in St. Louis one night. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of angry people on what's going on with the franchise. And Playfair used the word adversity a few times in that clip. And I really get the sense that he and Tippett and the coaching staff, and they want that to trickle down to the players, are going to embrace it. Where if they say, okay, we have a bad game March 7th, March 14th, or whatever, what can we learn about it that can make us stronger in the playoffs where a little, where, so the adversity we might f- face then doesn't end our season? And, and, and I, I've never got the sense with, with Tippett this year and, and Playfair talking today, certainly we've heard Tippett frustrated, at times after games, he does he doesn't like it when you know you know there's been details that haven't been taken care of and and no coach does. But even after the game against Chicago, we said we know what we didn't do in the first two periods, and there's another thing for us to address. There's another thing for us to try to work on. So hopefully that's the Oilers' approach. Um, you know it helps to be level-headed. It helps to be mature. It helps to always be willing to to learn. So I think I think the coaching staff at this point time of the year. If they, if they lose a game, if they have a bad game, they're not going to cry about it. They're going to say, okay, what can we teach out of this? How do we make this a situation where we say, okay, guys, we've had to deal with this you know, as a negative on March 18th. If it starts happening on April 28th in game six against whoever, what are we going to do about it so it doesn't get that bad? You hope that's the approach you're going forward. One final look at the scoreboard tonight. Oil Kings leading the Broncos 1-0 early in the second period. Hey, little as Hobo. Flames up 2-1 on the Coyotes after one. After two, it's now 4-0 for Winnipeg against Vegas. Looks like the Oilers will stay two back of Vegas for first in the Pacific. Red Wings lead the Blackhawks 2-1 late in the third. The Devils knock off the Blues 4-2. Upset there. Avalanche and Canucks coming up later. Same with the Maple Leafs and the Ducks. Alberta gets three in the tenth to beat Wildcard 4-2 at the Briar. So Brendan Botcher finishes the round robin at 10-1. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy. Our studio producer this evening, Dave Campbell, is the producer of Inside Sports. I'll join you at 6.30 tomorrow from Studio 99 inside Rogers Place for the City Ford Faceoff Show. Play-by-play, Oilers and Blue Jackets will commence at 8 p.m. Have a great weekend. It's Friday. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.